We are LP Magazine, and since 2001, we've been the leader in providing content and education for the loss prevention and asset protection industry, and we are known as the voice and authority of the LP community. Each episode, we'll be sharing and discussing the latest in trends and current issues related to all things retail and profit protection. You're listening to the LPM Podcast. Before we get started, we want to thank today's LPM Podcast sponsor, Apris Retail. Apris Retail, a division of Apris Inc., provides artificial intelligence-based solutions to help retailers protect margin, unlock sales, and cut shrink. To learn more about its performance improvement solutions, please visit www.aprisretail.com. Hello, and everyone, welcome to the new LPM podcast, where we cover all things retail and profit protection. Uh, the Loss Prevention Magazine has been the leader in loss prevention content for the last 20 years. And in those last 20 years, we've had multiple channels, uh, both from a print and online channel. And we actually did have a podcast in the past. We've been the voice of the LP community, and we feel that the time is right to bring the podcast back. We're going to discuss the latest trends in retail and profit protection and really all things loss prevention. Tom, uh, this is Ben Skidmore. I'm excited uh, to get this podcast rolling again. At Loss Prevention Media, uh, as you said, we've been pushing out content for 20 years. The last couple of years, we've really put a, had a strong push on digital and looking at all the different uh, vehicles to kind of bring content to people. And now with t- technology, everyone devouring content differently. So uh, it just is a natural transition to get the podcast up and running again. We focused the last couple of years at really uh, building our digital platform on the website, our daily e-newsletters, and, you know, kind of getting that engine fine-tuned. So now that we've got that done, um, this is, again, the natural progression. So really excited to get this podcast started again. And this is Tom Meehan. I'm the Retail Technology Editor for Lost Origin Magazine, and I'm really excited to be joined by my co-host, Ben Skidmore, Media Strategist for Lost Origin Magazine, and our very special guest, Tony D'Onofrio. Welcome, Tony. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you very much. I'm impressed that I'm the first guest in this podcast, so I'm looking forward to it. And we're excited to have you, Tony. Appreciate you taking the time. So, Tony, I I know we've... uh, We've met many times over the years and been at a lot of industry conferences. We may have actually been on a podcast or two together in the past, but why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your past and some of the exciting things you're working on? Well, uh, first of all, thank you again for uh, for this podcast, and thank you, Loss Prevention Magazine, and thank to both of you, uh, Tom and Ben, for the, today. Uh, so l- l- my background, really, I started in the retail industry a long time ago. Uh, actually, in high school, I worked for a retailer, and that led to a passion and my professional career, which ended up being split between information technology and loss prevention. Uh, about 18 months ago, I took very early retirement for Sensomatic, where, where I was chief customer officer, and I managed global retail partnerships or tagging, marketing, and started some as-a-service business models. But I retired early because I was getting a lot of calls from 
private equity to go help private uh, portfolio companies really grow with innovation. And I decided that at some point it was time to go. So I retired on Friday, and through the next Tuesday, I was already at my first board meeting. And today I'm focused on three technologies, and those three technologies I'm having a lot of fun figuring out where they take the future of retail next. Can you tell us a little bit more about the core technologies you're focused on and why you think they're the right technologies? Well, that's a good question. I, I, I was getting a lot of requests initially to go all kinds of different ways. And, I, and I, to focus, I decided to just take three. And those three really are the ones that are addressed both on the operational side and the security side based on my best experience. Uh, the first one that I selected really is GPS inside stores. I'm working with a company called 3SI in that space who's a leader. I think GPS is just getting started inside stores in terms of what it can do and what it will do. And just to give you an example, uh, 3SI last year in 2019 had uh, recoveries of about $10 million worth of goods uh, and also put uh, over 1,100 uh, felony criminals behind bars for a Safer world. So GPS has got a lot of upside, and uh, that's one. Two, the other one is an interesting one, a little controversial, and that's facial recognition. I really pick facial recognition after Apple really decided to let you open your phone with your face. So I saw that becoming more and more commercialized and ubiquitous. And Delta Airlines proved that to me because I've been building a lot of international flights using my face and even uh, going to Rome, Amsterdam, again, through passport control using my face. The London police just announced they're going to use it. It's all over China. So facial recognition is another area, and I'm, I'm uh, finalizing uh, the company that I'm working with on that one. And then the final one, which I think it's got some really interesting possibility, is artificial intelligence applied to video. I, I, by 2023, the data that I saw, about 100 billion dollars will be invested in AI and video is going to play a big, big role in that. So I'm going to start with uh, artificial intelligence and computer vision applied upon a sale because I do think that's a critical area of retail that will get a lot of attention from both the security and operational point of view. So those three technologies are really the focus areas we're spending a lot of time right now. So I, I think all those areas are areas that uh, we're interested in and the magazine covers heavily. Can you give the listeners kind of a, a real-life use case where you're seeing AI being used today, maybe something you saw uh, in one of the trade shows? Um, I think everybody today is talking about AI and machine learning. But what, what, what's kind of your favorite real-life use case that you saw recently? Well, the one that I've seen uh, real life, and it's really one of the three, which is uh, artificial intelligence applied to point of sale. It's actually from a company out of uh, Ireland that's doing some great work and that has deployed in uh, retailers like Walmart, which, where they went public with it. And they're really, they're analyzing the point of sale transaction from a video point of view and determining uh, exactly what is happening from both an operational and a security point of view. So in other words, are you making a mistake or are you stealing? And from what I've seen, it's really allowed uh, companies like a Walmart, for example, to uh, expand dramatically in terms of how they lay out their stores and add a lot more self-checkout. I was actually in a Walmart store yesterday where 
it's totally transitioned. The majority of the lanes are self-checkout, and there's only a few typical lanes that you would have seen in the past. But there's a ton of technology being applied without artificial intelligence and the backbone analyzing what's happening at those uh, self-checkout lanes. And that's a really good one of the examples, and there are many others. And I, I think that's a fantastic example because it really it goes back to the whole reason we're doing this podcast is that most of the technology that retail asset protection has used over time has really changed and evolved and offers advantages to operators, merchants, and the security professionals. So it's, it's a really great uh, example. So something that I know you and I have spoken about many times, we're both big into social media, but I mean, man, uh, Talk about a thought leader and a followership on social media. I, I don't know. I know you have more than 160,000 followers on LinkedIn. Tell me about that journey. How do you get there? And, and I mean, that's a lot of work. And that's, uh, thank you. And I appreciate those kind comments. Uh, really, uh, for me, uh, I started with a realization uh, several years ago that uh, personal branding is really the future for, for you personally not just the company or the brand that you're working for. So you need to create a personal brand and let that brand stand for your, uh, for your, for itself. And really that's what led me to this next career that we just discussed. And how, how I got started really was by blogging. And then I, I timed actually accurately the transition that LinkedIn had when they went from a resume company to a publishing company and really rode that wave. And over the time, over that time period, I optimized what I do on uh, LinkedIn and other platforms. So I actually publish five updates a day. I actually write uh, blogs every couple of weeks. They get published on seven different platforms. I've been on the top 100 retail influencer list for a long time. I go to Silicon Valley twice a year to listen to startups in terms of invitations. So I've had an uh, ideal journey a lot because I started this personal branding and using LinkedIn as the idea platform, and that's led to all kinds of ways to explore where technology, for example, for me, is where it's at and where it's going, and a lot of invites in terms of keynotes, articles, podcasts, like this one. So that's how the journey started. For me, I feel like every day I'm just getting started, and it's really a great journey that everybody should figure out how to do. So, Tony, I went actually speaking of your social media account, I went and looked at some of the articles that you've written and I, I was looking at your article from NRF. Uh, so we all went to NRF, uh, you know, off the show floor, uh, got to see a lot of different things. Um, what were some of the things um, that you saw at NRF? I noticed one of the uh, comments in your article, you're looking at, you were going to talk about futurist trends. What were some of the trends that you saw coming into 2020? things that you thought were noteworthy? Uh, ben, that's actually a, a good question. Uh, I actually went into this NRF skeptical. I didn't think I was going to see anything new. It was just going to be another boarding NRF. And I was actually very, very pleasantly surprised. Uh, I identified about 36 different distinctive innovation trends uh, that were spread out uh, uh, among the show. I ended up distilling those into three. And uh, these three really, for me, define where retail is at and where it goes next, both from operational and from a security point of view. The first one we uh, roughly mentioned, one is computer vision uh, or the idea that the camera becoming a sensor 
in a very powerful sensor. I've been talking about that for a long time. This NRF actually validated. You saw computer vision. It was visible everywhere. You saw it on robots running around aisles taking pictures for inventory. You saw drones. You saw facial recognition, which is really a version of computer vision doing face pay, sentiment tracking, all kinds of new, unique applications. What's neat to me is all that is, is uh, focused at the center of the store where for a long time there hasn't been enough sensors to figure out how to make that consumer journey much more enjoyable so they spend more. So computer vision was a big one. Uh, the second one to me is the evolution of the cash register. The cash register really is a critical function of you got to pay for this stuff if you're not going to steal it. So the cash register is a critical function, and that's going to tremendous change. And it's going to tremendous change at the same time that consumers are opting to do their own checkout journey, either through mobile or self-checkout. And those two are merging into some interesting technologies that I think will be important and, in my view, are actually disrupting traditional loss prevention technology where they got to change or they're going to get left behind. So that's the second one, really the evolution of the point of sale. And the third one that I wrote about is that um, the definition of a startup is changing dramatically. What you see more and more is that retailers are going to Silicon Valley and retailers are really uh, figuring out how to leverage startups. So if you walk the innovation lab at uh, NRF 2020 and you ask, who are you working with? you would get some impressive brands that are actually deeply engaged in testing new ideas, new concepts, and not just testing. A lot of them had hundreds of stores deployed with these new technologies. So this is good news. It tells you that retailers figured out that technology can be a competitive advantage and really needs to be adopted faster and leveraged to really move your brand and increase its brand value over time. So those are the three trends that I saw really all over NRF. So I got a question. I'm curious what your opinion is on, well, if you have an opinion, in regards to facial recognition. The adoption rate is starting to increase at a pretty steady pace. Do you think that the customer is, I guess, a little bit more open to the idea of being recorded on a regular basis when you walk into a store and having that information being uh, tied to their purchasing history is that or you know if, if they're obviously if they're um, they have ill intent to, to steal that's that's kind of a given but what about the honest customer do you think the privacy concerns are kind of dissipating with uh, society today so i do think there are privacy concerns that have not been addressed i don't think there's enough regulation to set the boundaries on how facial recognition actually gets used positively uh, and basically outlaw the negative components of facial recognition. There are extremes. So to me, China is an extreme. They're, they're on a mission to deploy millions and millions of cameras throughout the country and really put the entire population on facial recognition. In China, they're already giving tickets if you jaywalk based on facial recognition. So the, And they're wow. giving everybody a social credit score based on um, – And based on that social credit score, you're going to get a loan, you're going to get to travel, and so on. So they're on one extreme. On the other side of the world, there's incremental adoption, such as what we discussed earlier with the iPhone, with what the London police just did with airports. 
even retail uh, in a lot of places is testing and playing with facial. I don't think we have clearly told the consumer exactly what we are doing in a clear fashion where it's a value definition. In other words, if I'm gonna, what is the value for me giving up more of my privacy? I think that's one element. So that value balance is an extremely piece that I don't think facial recognition has reached that. Uh, the other one to me is that the, the technology itself really is evolving. It will continue to evolve. It will continue to be applied. And new generations are much more open to it. If you look at all the surveys, in fact, I'm in the middle of updating my disrupted future Aaliyah presentation. Look at the millennials and the Gen Z. They are much more open in terms of these new technologies, provided, again, they see value in how they actually get deployed. And that value proposition is the critical piece that retailers need to work on to get the acceptance of things like facial recognition. Interesting, very interesting. So at NRF, was there one thing that you felt was most interesting or most disruptive going, uh, you know, looking at all the different solutions that were being showcased there? So there's a lot of good solutions uh, across the board. As I said, I, I think I wrote in multiple articles or I gave quotes that I my, my prediction was walking into NRF that to get into NRF, any, everybody this year had to have AI in their display as the innovation entry to the show itself. And I was surprised that actually that was indeed the case. So everybody got the message that you really must play in the artificial intelligence. How it got applied was the surprise, and how deeply it got applied was was one of the surprises. To me, it's what's critical is what happens next. It's great that we're applying all this stuff and all these technologies, but ultimately what we're doing is generating a lot more data. And really, the next step is figuring out how to, out of all that data, really pull out the critical elements that really get a retailer to grow or get a consumer to fall in love with your brand. And that's really the next stage. And I do think artificial intelligence, machine learning, computer vision are gonna create critical on both the loss prevention side and also what happens to general consumer. So this artificial intelligence trend was really, and how big it was, was my, my big wow in terms of NRF 2020. Yeah, I agree. It was interesting. I was talking with uh, our editor for uh, Loss Prevention Magazine about how NRF used to have a loss prevention pavilion, but over time it, it got smaller and smaller and they kind of did away with it. But when I came this year, I saw loss prevention integrated into so many different solutions around the show, even within companies that I wouldn't really tag as a loss prevention company, uh, but they all had solutions. And I loved what you said in your article when you're wrapping it up. It, um, you said omnichannel is still alive, but harmonized retail is the new buzzword. I had not heard that, and I think that's a great a great buzzword. It's harmonized retail because you're right. Everything's kind of this integration of all the technologies, and everyone's helping each other. All the technologies are helping different departments and each other. So, anyhow, I thought that was interesting. Thank you. So, Tony, I, I know you talked about a lot, and uh, one thank you for actually giving me a quote for my article about the magazine, and I appreciate that uh, a lot about the NRF Big Show. Uh, I read all your stuff. I, I always follow your things. And, you know, I, I think when I think of the NRF Big Show, it, actually you started the same way I did. Is this going to be another show of the same things painted with a different picture? 
or another sign up uh, to try to change things. And I was impressed and had a really good time walking the floor and um, echo your comments about the Innovation Center and how retailers have changed. But if you had to pick one thing that was a surprise, something you really didn't expect or a game changer um, for profit protection or asset protection, uh, was there one thing that really stood out for you? Well, there, there were two, actually, one for loss prevention, one for the general population. One of the surprises to me is that I need to spend more time actually going to the Consumer Electronics Show. And the reason I say that is that what I'm seeing at NRF and what I'm seeing in general is that there is a blend in terms of what's happening to consumer technologies turning into shopping experience. So everything that's evolving is a technology, take Alexa, take uh, a smartphone, take any screen that you're standing in front of, take a subway, any place you're standing can become a shopping platform. And that's really where the world is headed from a retail point of view is really the ability to do exactly what was just said, having this uh, harmonious retail experience with a brand anywhere that you are, not necessarily just inside the store, but inside the store and across all the other places where you can interface with a brand. So that was one of the key things. So next year I'm planning to go to consumer electronics because I think it builds to where retail goes next. In terms of APLP, uh, again, exactly what Ben just said, I do think that there was a lot of uh, loss prevention technology showing up in traditional non-loss prevention vendors or solutions. That tells me that this, this two things. One, that those companies see that uh, really asset protection and loss prevention need to be addressed as part of the final solution. But more importantly, these new technologies such as computer vision, artificial intelligence, machine learning will play a key role to what happens to traditional loss prevention technologies going forward. And frankly, I think those will actually negatively impact some of the current technologies that are being widely used by loss prevention if they don't evolve to these new next-gen solutions that are coming from other places you wouldn't think of. Awesome. Thank you. So I, I asked this question. I, I, I probably am sure I've asked you this question many times, but I think it's always really relevant and important for our listeners. Our listener base, you know, will be predominantly loss prevention professionals. And we believe that through the digital contents, and we see this in that, that the younger audience is listening. And when I say younger, I mean younger in their career with AP and LP. What's some advice that you would give to someone just getting into the retail asset protection or loss prevention environment? So, first of all, uh, to anybody starting a career, even in loss prevention, to me, loss prevention function is going to continue to be a very critical function that retailer will need, but it is changing. And it is changing in the sense that you really, again, need to be aggressive in terms of how you approach it. So one of the passions that I have that I think everybody needs to have, especially somebody starting a career in loss prevention, is having endless curiosity to learn more, to constantly improve, to find ways to embrace technology, figure out how to value add your function within the company, figure out even as simple as uh, making your boss look good. And, and that's a simple thing. But to me, it is this continuous learning, this continuous embrace, of new ideas and having a value creation 
and really focusing on what value might bring in and continuously increasing that value over time is very, very important. And then finally, what I would say is make sure you pick the right brand to ride. Find a, a, a brand that really shares your passion, not only for where you want to be today, but where you want to be three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. Where do you want to end your career? Find that, that employer that really uh, really meets that need. For me, it was all about continuous improvement and figuring out how to innovate to that next level. If you find those kind of matches, I think you will thrive in any area. And loss prevention for me is going through a, a lot of transitions right now. And really sticking to those kind of basics will help you going forward. So, Tony, you talked a little bit about, you know, uh, just learning and, you know, constantly trying to drive yourself forward as a new LPAP professional. Uh, you went to the uh, LPRC or Loss Prevention Research Council uh, kickoff meeting in New York last month. Uh, what were some of the takeaways from that meeting? So, actually, this was my first time that I attended uh, this particular meeting. I just uh, joined last year, and I'm on the board of advisors for the Loss Prevention uh, Research Council. I think they're doing excellent work in terms of science-based research, and uh, NRF is probably the best way to, uh, to kick it off. In other words, they have a wrap-up meeting or a startup meeting right after the uh, NRF picture wraps up. And, frankly, I was tremendously impressed with my first attendance. First of all, by the size of the group. So there were nearly 100 people in the room, and they were uh, AP professionals, uh, solution providers, even the new New York Police Department, all focused on helping the University of Florida and researchers figuring out ways to help the functions get better uh, through science-based research. I really enjoyed really the breakout into the sessions where we talked about uh, figuring out uh, how do we impact each of the zones of influence, especially from um, really on deterring uh, crime or deterring violence and really optimizing and really had some really good discussion. And, and, if, and that by the end, there were a ton of notes that Reed and the research team uh, pulled together in terms of figuring out where 2020 goes next. So for me, creating these um, uh, impressions of control across the, each of the zones of influence and all the inputs that was coming from so many different resources and all the different comments was really a great, great way to end uh, NRF 2020 and move on to actually uh, do the next, to the new year. That's great. Glad, uh, I'm sure they're glad to have you on their board this year. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was I'm a, looking it was forward a to it. It was a great meeting. Um, I've been fortunate to be able to attend. It's local for me, so it's great. And, and Tony, your contributions uh, have been fantastic. Um, so I, I think uh, for our first uh, Rebirth podcast, we're about ready to wrap it up. Uh, thank you, Tony. Thank you, Ben, for joining. Um, as uh, with all podcasts, I ask you to please subscribe to the podcast. It helps get the word out, rate the podcast, give a, give a review. Uh, a quick reminder to Join us at lostpreventionmedia.com. If you're not already subscribed to the magazine, uh, you should be. Uh, it has the best content available that's out there. Uh, the podcast will be a bi-weekly podcast, and we'll continue to cover all things retail and profit protection. If you're interested in being a guest, you can reach out directly 
to me or Ben or anybody on the Loss Prevention Magazine staff. Um, Tony, uh, thank you so much again for joining us. Ben, thanks for being a great host. Thank you very much for the, the for this kickoff podcast and uh, looking forward to listening to all the future ones. Yes, thanks, Tony. Glad to be a part of it, guys. And thank you again to our sponsor, Apris. Uh, we can do it without you.